Hello and welcome to Career Move Secrets, a brand new podcast for active job seekers and the career-minded. In each episode, I'll interview a special guest from my global network. Guests will include seasoned recruiters, experienced hiring managers from companies big and small, and successful individuals who have developed great careers through making great career moves. My aim is to uncover and share my guests' unique perspectives, their insights, and their insider advice on job searching, interviewing, and career enhancement. My name is Tony Talbot, and I've been working in the recruitment industry as an international headhunter for over 20 years. I'm the creator of CareerMoveSecrets.com, a step-by-step online course for job seekers that I designed to be the ultimate guide to getting hired in the hidden job market. I will add my perspective to the conversation, and together with my guests, we hope to provide some genuine, actionable insider advice that will help you execute your next career move. Thanks for joining us today. Okay, welcome to the fourth episode of Career Move Secrets, and my guest today has even more recruitment experience than the past couple of guests. Um, I believe he has 26 years in total in executive search and selection, and he's currently the managing partner of One Bright Day. Hello, Mike Thompson. Hi, Tony. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, yourself? How are you? Very well, thank you. (laughs) I'm a bit sharper than when I spoke to you yesterday, when I didn't know what day it was. (laughs) <laughs> well, <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up, but seeing as you did, um, you know, the, the, the hours are tending to merge into uh, days and days into weeks. So I'm, I'm sure you're not the only one. Yeah, I struggled a bit for the for the uh, benefit of listeners. I uh, I actually got in contact with Mike yesterday, which was a Sunday to say, look, let's set this uh, conversation back an hour or so. Um, getting the day completely wrong. He, he rang me to explain that uh, we decided we were going to speak on Monday, not on Sunday. And it appears that I don't even know what day it is now that we're in this weird, weird world of uh, lockdown. How is, how is it uh, with you? How are you coping at home? You've got uh, children, family, all, all locked down? Yeah, it's, uh, it presents its own challenges. Um, I think my, my sourdough recipe is coming along well. Um, oh, perfect. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, we've got uh, two kids and uh, our son, he is in year 10. So he's got his GCSEs next year. So there's a bit of a challenge there, uh, keeping a 15-year-old focused and trying to explain that uh, GCSEs are quite important is is all, yeah, it, it's a bit of a challenge, let's put it that way, especially when he's not exposed to all his peers on a day-to-day basis. So, Are you, are you homeschooling then, Mike? Are you the headmaster now? Or? Uh, I, well, I'd love to think I am, but in honesty... I'm deputy. <laughs> we well, all know our place, Tony. Yeah, goodness. Well, deputy is quite senior in itself. Um, well, look, talking of seniority, y- you have a very long and illustrious career in recruitment. Just, you know, just give us the potted history um, of your background, if you would. Sure. Okay. Well, um, my first job in recruitment, uh, I got it in February 1994. So, yes, 26 years ago. Mm. Now, that was an interesting time, especially in the context of today, because the UK unemployment rate was at 11%, and um, we were coming off the back of a pretty deep recession. Now, the organisation I joined back then was a a small, regional, multi-sector recruitment firm. Um, The market was incredibly difficult. It was was Mm. tough times, you know. 
Um, but despite that macroeconomic landscape, we we, we did a few uh, quite intelligent things along the way. Quite you know some strategically important decisions were made. Not least of which we tied in with the um, the Daily and the Sunday Telegraph, which back in the 90s they, they really had a stranglehold on uh, advertised selection, which is basically if you were looking for a job in the mid market, you picked up the uh, Daily Telegraph on a Thursday and um, you know looked at the jobs there. So um, that accelerated our growth. Uh, private equity firms started to take uh, interest, and 3i invested in the company in 1999. And then in 2001, myself and four fellow directors uh, bought the business off the original founders for £18 million. We were backed by Lloyd's Development Capital and the Bank of Scotland. Um, by that stage, uh, we'd um, developed a national presence. We had a northern office, a southern office. We employed around 100 recruitment consultants. And it was, it was, it was pretty exciting times. I mean, the, the company grew uh, quite a lot. So then, you know, as, as private equity um, continued to uh, drive the growth, we, we, we began to verticalize and build teams in specialist sectors, always trying to stay one step ahead of the competition. Mm-hmm. By 2008, we had five niche executive recruitment companies operating out of 10 offices across the UK and Europe. We employed about 200 consultants. Um, my role by that stage was strategic group strategic business development. Mm-hmm. And I was establishing new recruitment entities in emerging high growth sectors. Um, so basically, I'd worked for the same company for 14 years. And oh, wow. whilst looking at these high growth sectors, um, uh, there was a bit of a light bulb moment that uh, happened for me because one of the areas that I identified was the environmental sector. And in particular, mm-hmm. you know, I, was, I read about the impact of man made climate, ch- climate change and the impact it was having on humankind. And, as, as I've already referred to, you know, we've got two kids. Uh, my oldest he emerged in uh, 2005 and my daughter, she came, uh, you know, onto the scene in 2007. And I became more aware of, of their future and their children's future. And I started thinking, well, you know, this, this is going to be one of the biggest challenges we face. And as a result, I set up my company One Bright Day in 2008. It's a boutique pure play executive search partner. And uh, we work with operators across the low carbon um, energy sector. So that's what I do today. Excellent. So, yeah, a long history in recruitment across a broad range of industry sectors and now focusing very much on the low carbon economy, which is, a, you know, an interesting place to be. Are you finding, you know, just from a market perspective, that's the market you've been focused on now for quite some time. Is that is that still buoyant as we are going through this, you know, this, well, let's be honest, there's going to be an economic global downturn, um, but very specific issue at the moment in terms of, you know, business confidence. How are you finding your market at the moment? Um, I don't think there's any industry or market which is immune to what is going on at the moment. Um, there are pockets of positivity. There are organisations that still need to hire strategically critical roles for their business mm. but um you know th- it's a challenge there's there's no two ways about it um investment drives uh my sector's um activities mm. and investment you know pe- people are sitting on the hands you know the oil price <laughs> feeds yeah. directly into the sector and um, as we know the oil price is at an all-time low 
And it's, it's created uncertainty. Uncertainty, um, basically, people are avoiding making the difficult decisions until they have more confidence, which you know stems from the increased certainty in the, uh, in the, in the economy. Yeah. So, yeah, it's challenging times. Yeah, I guess one thing we can be sure of is that, unfortunately, a lot of people are going to lose their jobs during this period. It, it does seem to me like we're going to have a, a significant contraction. We're talking about in the region of 35% here in the UK is, is, is a forecast. Let's hope it doesn't ever reach that point. But that's that's part of what people are saying. I think uh, it's now one in six people in the US have lost their job. Um, so we, what we know for sure is that it's going to be hard times ahead in the job market. Um, and my guess is that there's going to be more people chasing less jobs, um, particularly in that advertised job market area. Um, I talk a lot in Career Move Secrets about the hidden hidden job market, uh, which I always maintain I, I, I'm involved in. I, you know, we, we were talking about back in the Ellis Fairbank days, roles were advertised, weren't they, in the Times and the Telegraph, as you rightly point out. I haven't advertised a role in 10 years. I don't know about you, Mike, whether you advertise anymore or whether you just directly search people out of the market uh, and headhunt. Is that your 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 modus operandi? It is precisely that. I was a, a, a great advocate of advertised selection uh, in the 90s. Um, I think search activities were more niche than they are today. Mm. Um, but no, I, I haven't advertised a single role in setting up one bright day, not one. Mm. Um, and I've placed plenty of people in that time. So Yes, you know, I, I, in that time I've built up a, a formidable network in the low carbon energy space. And, mm. um, you know, I, I, I approach clients, they approach me, but yeah, this, this, the, the, there are <laughs> all the vacancies I work on are I don't advertise. Sometimes clients advertise themselves, but uh, on the whole, they're not out there. Yeah, I, I, this is something I'm trying to get across to, to listeners is that the recruitment market doesn't necessarily work in the way that you think it does uh, as a, you know, if you, if you, you've not been in the recruitment market for, for many years, i.e. you've been very successful in your job for four five, six years, and you haven't been in the, in the job market for a long time and you, you enter the job market and you think that the best method of finding your next job is to look on a job board or in a newspaper. I think you're, you're scratching the surface. You, you know, you're, you're at the sort of, the, the advertised job market is about 20%, whereas the hidden job market is about 80% of all the jobs that are filled each year. So you really need a strategy to attack that hidden job market and to be active within it. Uh, given that's the case, you have a lot of experience in recruitment. If you were looking for a job tomorrow, what would you do, Mike? Well, it's interesting you mentioned first and foremost candidates who or individuals who um, have not looked for a job for five or six years. I come across a lot of people mm. who have never look for a job um you know guys in their well you know men and women in their 40s and 50s who have literally moved from company to company and they've used their personal network and they've just fallen into roles as they've Mm. emerged um and they essentially it's the first time they've ever looked for a new role and yes it can be a bit daunting um so if I was in that position, what would I do? Well, first, first and foremost, first thing I'd do is I'd exhaust my network, my own yeah. personal network. Um, you know, it goes without saying. And if that uh, doesn't um, 
glean anything, I would then um, resort to talking to recruitment consultants. Now, firstly, I would um, talk to people that I know and trust to get their views on who the recruiters are that operate successfully in their marketplace. Because in recruitment, I, yeah, and I think this is going to get exacerbated with the crisis uh, that's happening at the moment. There's, there's a ne necessary evil type of recruiter. And then there are recruiters that can add value. Mm. And it's the recruiters who add value, who understand the sector, who go beyond the call of duty, do what they say they are going to do, that I think I would want to align with if I was uh, looking for a new position. Now, differentiating which which is which is very very difficult so yeah. you've got to find somebody who's got uh you know uh experience on the ground of that so once you've identified um a consultant i personally i would go through a due diligence process yeah. I, I would question them i would i would find out what placements they're doing what they know about the marketplace whether they are credible because if i think that they're credible with my market knowledge mm. in a particular sector, then there's a strong chance that the clients that um, they're working with will also find them credible. Yeah. So you know, it's it, so, so so these are the, the these these are a few things that I'd want to do. What would I what would I also do? I'd also um, identify uh, areas that uh, are aligned with my personal fundamental belief systems and value systems. Because unless you find a job or a company or, a, you know, or, or an industry which have some alignment with you on, on an individual basis, then you're on a hiding to nothing. Yeah. So there's a number of things I'd do, but um, personal recommendations go a long way. They do. And, you know, if you can get referred by somebody to, to an organization, even better, you know, you've, you've got somebody vouching for you. I, I agree with you. I think a very, very good recruiter in their niche, one that understands it very well and uh, uh, is, is going to be a much better bet than your sort of transient recruiter that moves from one sector to another. Uh, they're going to get to the decision makers more quickly, more efficiently, um, and represent you much better than, than, you know, somebody who doesn't have that experience. And I agree, you know, one of the easiest ways to, to do that is obviously to look at your own network, but, um, the next best solution, I guess, is to, is to go on LinkedIn where we're, we're almost all, all recruiters are on LinkedIn these days. You can look through their profile and you can see, you know, how long have they been a recruiter? You know, if they've got 26 years, experience might i'm i'm going to argue that they're going to have a little bit more um of a, an edge than somebody who's got six months experience you know that the the reason we all go through our careers and get paid more and more and more as we gain more experience is because there's no substitute for experience so yeah. you know that there are things that you can do doing your due diligence just online where you can obviously see that one recruiter is perhaps stronger in their on LinkedIn profile than another but then you're absolutely right you must speak to them what recommendations have they got on their site do they seem to people seem to be vouching for them and if you can find somebody who directly vouches for them that's in your network uh, maybe a shared connection that speaks highly of them that that would be the uh, that would be the gold standard for me I think there's another thing as well you, you asked me what I would do um, mm. is one thing as well that I wouldn't do Mm. And this is a mistake some uh, candidates or individuals who come onto the market um, for the first time do. Mm. And that they send their CV out wholesale yes. to 
everybody, all and sundry, recruiters, company, just they, 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 they thinking that that is actually going to um, enable them and, 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 and find them a new position. Mm. I argue strongly that that has the opposite effect. I agree. And I think that there is great value in the scarcity of an individual. Mm. Um, it reminds me of a fair few years ago, um, uh, I identified an individual for a business and uh, I interviewed him, I went through the process and uh, uh, I introduced him to the client. The client came back to me, clearly I qualified with this candidate that he hadn't already been introduced to the client. Mm. Um, but once the client had received the CV, he came back to me and he said, we've had his CV already from two, two other different sources. Mm. So. Whether the candidate knew it or not is irrelevant. The point is, the client turned around to me and said, because I've received his CV from three different sources, I'm not interested. Mm. He's perfect for the job, but it's too complicated, number one. And number two, clearly he is desperate. And I do not want somebody in my business who is desperate. So, you know, it's, it's finding that fine line between um, – getting yourself out there and well it's, it's about getting yourself out there in front of the right businesses in an effective fashion that is is important yeah a, a, a controlled strategy I, I absolutely advocate that as well i think you know one of the things that i try to say to people is your your cv is your sort of marketing collateral if you like and you must control it you, you really need to say to when i if, if you're dealing with the recruiters i would define a brief that includes either a market sector that a niche that in which they can operate but i would go beyond that and say let let's agree a set of target company companies and i give you authority and i would actually say i give them authority via email to approach you know 10 different companies but that would be the limit of the uh, of the relationship if the recruiter came back to you with another option great and then you add it to your list and you say and it's that recruiter that has the authority to deal with that company thereby you're 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 really controlling the most important asset that you have at that point in time which is your reputation um and your your cv and your reputation being being uh, uh tightly sort of uh, linked that you can make sure that you understand where your cv is going who's who's reviewed it um and who's representing you in that particular relationship absolutely you use the word control it's about having a controlled plan Mm. I, I completely agree with what you're saying. It's important that you know who is representing you, to which businesses, and who has received your CV and who has not. And um, if you go about it in that way, you stand a much better chance, I think, of finding the right opportunity. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Once you are in the interview process, um, what, what would your advice be there? Because you know, one of the things I think we do well as recruiters uh, is prep candidates and, and trying to get them to think about the interview process, trying to get them to maximize their opportunities. But we know that lots of them, do, <laughs> lots of people get things wrong during the recruitment process uh, and through the interview process. What would you, what would you highlight as being things that, you know, grind your gears that people get wrong and then what would you also say are some of the things that you found that where candidates have gone above and beyond and done particularly well well um i think first and foremost it's research 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 i think before you walk through the door um you need to be 
absolutely prepared for a variety of reasons. I mean, there's so much information out there about businesses, about people, about uh, competition. There's no excuse, really, to walk into a, a, an interview unprepared. Um, if, if, if I was looking at a new... If I was looking um, at a future employer, the first thing I would do is I'd go to company's house. I'd be looking at their last three years p and I'd be looking at the balance sheet. I'd be looking at how often the, 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 the directors have changed, how long the current managing director has been in post. Uh, and one very important thing, you know, on a personal level, I, I think that understanding the ownership structure of business very much dictates the the, the, the culture of an organization, is it private equity backed? Is it privately owned? Is it a PLC? Mm. You know, and, and has that ownership structure changed uh, at any point in the not too distant future? Um, you know, that, that will be my starting point because ultimately um, I'd want to know how secure, how strong that business is. Mm. Then I would be looking at um, their business model in comparison to other organizations in the sector to do that, we need to be understanding uh, the, the competition. Um, I would, I mean, you, you can go on and on and on. I mean, finding out about the person who's interviewing. Find, you can, if, 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 if you know how to use Google, you can often find out what their interests are. I mean, mm. you know, may, may, maybe sort of uh, draw the line at stalking them, but, you know, there's <laughs> so much information out there that can give you that competitive edge. And that's, that's what this is about. Yeah, yeah, it is the key, and yeah. and and it's going to be brought into stronger focus over the over over the next few years with 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 the fallout from this uh, crisis. So, um, so that so 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 preparation and research, I think, is is critical. I think another thing is do not be lulled into a false sense of security. What I mean by that is, if you are offered an interview, take it seriously. Mm. Um, I, I've seen in the past um, candidates who have gone for interview and they think, well, he, this, this guy, Mike Thompson, he's made it look very easy. He's got me, a, you know, an interview very quickly with a, mm. with a decent business. Well, if he's got me one, he can get me another three or four or five interviews. And that's mm. not always the case. And especially moving forward, that will not be the case. So if you are going forward for an interview, consider that your only opportunity your only opportunity and treat it as such and um you know don't treat it as a dress rehearsal for the 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 the, the other interviews that the recruiter is going to line up for so those are those are a couple of things that immediately come to mind yeah i agree with that as well i, I think increasingly you know it depends on where, where you are in the market what market you're in but i, I think increasingly with the, the economic downturn you have to maximize the opportunities that you do get because they may be few and far between um, you're, they're going to be highly competitive as well. So you must max those opportunities. I, I would, I would always argue, you know, keep a tally of your numbers. How many, you know, CV submissions or, or applications via recruiters or whatever other source lead to interviews? How many first interviews you you uh, achieve that then become second interviews? And how many offers? And almost be competitive with yourself. What you want to do is you want to convert all of them. You want to have the maximum choice. You must, you know, be very competitive with yourself to make sure that you drive each one to the end, even when you perhaps think that you know one is better than the other. Because you tend to find the more information that you gain through those interviews, um, your view may change. 
you, what you want to do is get to the end of the interview process with a choice, uh, maybe a choice of two or three opportunities. And the only way you're going to do that is by maximizing uh, each interview that uh, you you uh, you have the opportunity to uh, to undertake. I think having the choice of two or three um, job offers is a luxury mm. that many candidates will not experience <laughs> in, 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 in the near future. Um, and that, you know, again, emphasizes how critically important if you get offered an interview, make sure that you are ready for it. You are prepared. You know what you're walking into and put your best foot forward. I mean, you know, Sky, Sky, um, sorry, Dave Brailsford comes to mind. Team Sky's philosophy mm. of, of focusing on those marginal gains. Mm. We're talking about giving yourself that competitive edge. That, that means everything from your personal presentation through to your preparation, through to how well you know the business that is interviewed. If you, knew, if you know it better than the person sat opposite, if they're if they're of sufficient quality, they shouldn't feel threatened. They should be impressed. Mm. And you know, if I was going forward for an interview, I would meticulously understand that business inside out. I agree. I think that's a, a very sage advice, and uh, I think that's a good point at which to end. Thank you very much for your time, Mike, for your perspective, for your uh, viewpoint, and indeed for your advice. That's quite all right. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Cheers, Mike. All the best. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it. I think Mike Thompson gave some great advice there to anybody looking for a job in this uh, new world um, to make sure that you do your search, uh, to maximise your opportunity, to treat each opportunity as if it might be your last, um, and to look for marginal gains, to look for your competitive advantage uh, at each and every opportunity. And I think that's great advice. And if that's a mindset that you also adopt and want to explore a bit further, please do look at my Career Move Secrets course, uh, which is full of um, marginal gains and competitive advantage strategies. Um, you will find uh, information about that at www.careermovesecrets.com. Um, you can see the full course, but you can also take a little taster. On my website, you'll find a sign up button for my free job search masterclass, which is a video based presentation, which will really explain to you how the recruitment market works, what your odds are, what I think you should be doing in order to find your next career move. So please do take me upon that. And also, if you're enjoying these podcasts and you would like to uh, to listen to more, please consider subscribing because there will be more Career Move Secrets podcasts coming very soon.